It's the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast for Monday, October 12, 2020. On today's episode, it is an encore presentation of Book Talking with librarians Maria Morales and Library Director Janine West. The topic that they're going to discuss is cultural appropriation in novels, and basically they wade into the controversy about whether an author should be uh, able to write about an experience or a society, a culture, a group that is not his own or her own. There are a lot of layers to this and a lot of points of view and uh, things to consider in this topic, and uh, I think that Maria and Janine do a, a great job of bringing that all out and giving their opinion. Uh, We hope you'll enjoy the talk. Here are Maria Morales and Janine West. My name is Janine West, the director of the Cote Luke Public Library. And I'm joined here today by Maria Morales, one of our librarians. So a couple of weeks ago, many of you tuned in to listen to Jennifer Eisman's um, program uh, called You've Got to Read This. And during this program, she recommended a book called American Dirt. The author was Janine Cummins. Now, one of the things that she talked about was the controversy surrounding its publication, mainly that the author had been accused of cultural appropriation. So I also read American Dirt. And although I have to admit, I did not think that the writing was particularly stellar, I rather enjoyed the story. However, um, and just as an aside, my, both my daughters and I decided we would discuss this book. And so I prepared by reading the reviews. And I actually was quite shocked to hear about the controversy surrounding this book. Uh, for those of you who don't know the plot, I'm going to give you a very, very short summary. So the novel tells the fictional story of a Mexican mother and her son's journey to the American border after a cartel murders the rest of her family, her entire family, in fact. Um, The author is not Mexican, she's American, and she is white. This was an Oprah pick, uh, and the book was lauded as the next Grapes of Wrath. There was a lot of uh, push behind this book, however, just as the book was becoming, uh, coming out, the author was accused of cultural appropriation. She had to cancel all of her book tours and she was vilified in the media. And so the big question surrounding this issue is this, who has the right to tell one's story? And I thought the whole issue of cultural appropriation in literature was an interesting one and it would make for a great discussion. And so I invited my colleague, Maria Morales, to discuss it with me. So we're going to do our best. Um, On the one side are those who argue that only writers from a marginalized background should should tell the stories about people who share their cultural histories. While on the other side, are those who say that this amounts to censorship. So let's start with a definition. What is cultural appropriation? Cultural appropriation is the adoption of elements of a minority culture by members of the dominant culture. So Maria, welcome. 
So I'm going to ask you the first question here. Okay. Uh, first of all, Janine, I'm going to say good afternoon to everyone. I'm very happy to be having this conversation with you, and I hope it will be an interesting topic for everyone listening to it. I hope so too, Maria. So here we go. So budding novelists have traditionally been encouraged to write what they know. And if you write what you know, you'll be able to write a great book. So do you think that this is good advice? Do you think authors should only write what they know? Well, I don't, uh, it, it's a difficult topic. Cultural appropriation is a very difficult topic to discuss. But if we uh, think that literature is an imaginative art to suggest that the writer cannot depict characters unlike themselves is absurd because books would have to be people with characters exactly like the author. The author. So I see no reasons why writers should assume that any territory is theirs by inheritance. The key point is that uh, they should be able to write about whatever they want to write as long as they do it responsibly and with respect towards the culture that they are borrowing from. That's a good, th those are really, really good points, Maria. And maybe I could add that, yeah. um, Perhaps at the beginning of their writing careers, if they are very, very sort of young and inexperienced writers, perhaps it's not such a bad idea to start with writing with what you know. And as you perhaps gain experience that maybe you can um, move on to um, sort of expand your universe. The other thing I want to just sort of add is that it does sound absolutely absurd to sort of say that if you're not a, if you're a woman, that it's not okay to write a book from a man's perspective. If you're straight, that it's not okay to write a book from a LGBTQ perspective. Are we saying that a writer of color can never have um, as its main protagonist, a, a white person? Are we actually saying that a white person can never write um, from the point of view of a person of color? And I think you make an excellent point that it's really about writing uh, respectfully. I, I think that's a, a really, really good point. And Janine, just uh, talking about the same thing, what do you think about the publishing industry? Is it favoring white writers over other ethnicities? What, what do you think? What you know what, I actually think probably it does. You know, you know, the publishing industry is a huge, huge industry, particularly big in the United States. If you are a mainstream writer, most likely you're writing um, with uh, one of the major publishing houses such as Random House or, or Doubleday. Um, these are big publishing industries and I do think that they tend to favor mainstream writers, which for the most part tend to be uh, white writers. The difficulty is, I think, is that if you are a writer um, who are perhaps uh, from a different uh, different nationality, a different country, 
you're writing in a different language. It is particularly different, uh, difficult, I should say, um, for a major publishing house that is centered in the United States to pick up your book. Your book has to do super, super well in its home country and for it to be picked up um, by an American publishing house and it, for it to be translated. Um, I think that if you're talking just about the sort of the United States, um, let's face it, uh, publishers are in the business of selling books. They want to make money. They tend to go with mainstream writers that they know. Uh, yeah. They certainly tend to go with safer topics that they're more comfortable with. Yes, um, and, and only 6% of the books uh, in the market are translations. So you yeah, so it's, I sort of, um, I sort of get it. I see that there is a responsibility, but there is more of a responsibility to make sure that the writers that they are publishing, perhaps um, when they do have minority characters, when they do uh, address uh, issues of race, perhaps to ensure that they are, that the author is doing that in a very, very respectful and a very uh, empathetic manner. I think that's really their responsibility. But we do understand uh, that they, the big machine behind the big publishing houses in the United States is huge. I mean, if I just think of uh, Janine Cummings' book, it was heralded as the next grapes of wrath. Um, this is the marketing machine was certainly behind this book and perhaps they were um, maybe a tone deaf to the sort of underlying uh, cultural appropriation issues that lay behind it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, my, that's my thought on, on that. Um, so, one of the things uh, we could also talk about is, uh, what do you think? Do you think that this current campaign against cultural appropriation will actually end up having a negative impact uh, on fiction? Well, it could, certainly, because uh, then there, there is no going to be a, um, a reflection of society. In the, in the books that we read. And the characters in literature would be exact replicas of the author uh, because of the politically correct audiences that have such amount of power over writers. And so there is a self-censorship, which is even worse than the other type of censorship. And um, it, will be, it will be sad because we will be losing um, the mirror that fiction is of society. So if they were barred from creating characters with attributes that they do not own, um, the stories are going to be kind of repetitive always, like clones of the author. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. It's almost as if like the, the novelist is caught in a contradiction. Um, sort of involving demands that, um, that are almost absolutely impossible to resolve. So on the one hand, 
Um, they're accused of why are, there are no characters of color in their fiction. Why isn't their fiction representative of uh, contemporary society? But on the other hand, they're saying like, how dare you? How dare you as a white writer appropriate the lives and stories of people of color who you know nothing about? So this is really kind of like a no-win situation. And um, would, you, would you be able to comment of authors that have been accused of cultural appropriation and why? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I have a couple of examples here. Um, one of the very, very first authors to be accused of cultural appropriation was actually William Styron. William Styron, if you remember, is the author of Sophie's Choice. So he, he endured severe criticism and was actually denounced as a racist when he published The Confessions of Nat Turner in 1967. Now this novel, which is told in the first person, is based on the true events of the slave rebellion led by African-American preacher in Virginia in 1831, Nat Turner. It won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction in the year that it was published. Um, another great example is um, of a, a white person who was writing uh, as a uh, black person is the case of Catherine Stock, Stockett, who, if you remember, wrote yes. the in 2009. Another Oprah pick, interestingly enough. Now, this book spent 100 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and it is based on the lives of Black female maids in America's southern states in the 1960s. And the, bo the book is written in the voices of two Black women and is set in Jackson, Mississippi during racial segregation and the Ku Klux Klan lynchings. In the afterword to her novel, Stockett admitted that she was really scared uh, that she was crossing a terrible line when she was um, writing this book, and that fear was definitely well-founded. Despite initially being hailed as the most important book to, uh, since To Kill a Mockingbird, if you can imagine, the book and the subsequent film have been widely condemned by critics academics and commentators, alleging that the novel trivializes, misrepresents, and stereotypes Black women, Black men, and the Black community. Yes, I remember that uh, uh, it was all over the news that the American Association of Black Women Historians said that uh, the Black women lives were uh, removed of historical accuracy just for the sake of entertainment. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I, I find it, and I also find it interesting that, um, anyways, I, I, I do find it interesting that this book also was, a, was an Oprah pick, and it was a best-selling book, and a lot of people read it. Um, I did actually see the movie. Um, I think when I read it in 2009, I didn't really think too much about cultural appropriation in, in those terms, uh, but I do remember the controversy. Another interesting book that I wanted to mention, uh, because it's, it's a bit different uh, in that 
The author certainly worried about being accused of cultural appropriation, but she wasn't. So uh, this is the author, Thriti Umrigar, and um, she's a, a fairly well-known writer. I think this was probably one, um, you know, I think she's written maybe 10 to 15 novels um, in total. But one of her more recent novel, novels was one called Everybody's Son. And although she generally uh, populates her books with Indian um, characters and really focuses more on the Indian experience, in this particular book, she decided to tackle uh, race relations in America. And her protagonist was a black character. She really, really worried about how this book was going to be received and whether as an immigrant from India, that she could actually uh, tackle this topic. She does an awful lot of research and she really tries to write uh, very honest and authentic uh, books. But um, as a writer, she said like, if people can write about aliens and people can write about all sorts of things, um, why shouldn't I be able to write about this? Because this is a topic that interests me. Uh, but what is interesting is that she was not accused of cultural appropriation. Despite her fears, the book was very, very well received. So perhaps this has something to do with the fact that she herself is not white. Um, so does not maybe face the same kind of scrutiny that mainstream white authors might face. Just, just an interesting point. Yes, absolutely. Yes, because then um, writing fiction from outside uh, one's own immediate community is a fine line to walk. Right. Exactly. You, yeah. So it affects the final, the, the end results or what it reaches our hands. So authors should do a lot of research, cultural consultation, be very um, self-aware of what they are writing. Right. So going back to one of our uh, earlier points that we were making. So we were talking about um, the negative impact that uh, cultural appropriation could have uh, on fiction. And it was, I find it interesting what one author, Jonathan Franzen, um, if you remember, he wrote the corrections, he claimed that he was not going to write about race because he had very limited firsthand experience. Um, do you think that this is an acceptable position for a writer? Um, and do you think that he is um, perhaps afraid of um, writing or uh, afraid of being accused of uh, cultural appropriation in the same way that other writers uh, have been accused. I think that many authors, many writers are afraid of being accused of cultural appropriation. There was um, a Latino writer, um, the name is uh, Charlton Trujillo, and the novel's title is When We Was Fierce. Well, because of the title, not even people did not even read the story. 
just because of the title, they thought that he was appropriating a black teen voice. And based on the title alone came a lot of criticisms and the publishers decided to withdraw the contract. So going back to your question, I would not be surprised if the author, Franzen, is afraid of being accused of cultural appropriation in the same way as other writers have been. If his point of view is widely accepted, then we wouldn't have most of Graham Greene's wonderful novels, many of which are set in what for the author were foreign countries and cultures. So that was the end of the story. So it's quite negative. The fear, from, the fear perhaps is justified that white uh, novelists perhaps are more um, able to accept the lesser charge of staying in their safety zone rather than being accused of getting it badly wrong because to get it badly wrong is to, um, or to be even accused or even hinted at culturally appropriating a uh, minority culture is that you can spend your years uh, writing a particular novel and just before publication, the publisher could actually pull it because they are fearful. So not only are um, authors perhaps afraid and want to stay in the safety zone, but also publishers as well will uh, pull books that they think cross lines because they're also afraid of, get, uh, afraid of getting into trouble. Yes, it's very sad, I think. No, I agree with you. And this sort of leads to a sort of a final question, perhaps. Yes. That is cultural appropriation, is it actually bad for literature? So it's almost twisting the argument on its head and looking at it, what are the positive elements of cultural appropriation? And we have to say that cultural appropriation done well. So it's not cultural, as you were saying, Maria, it's not cultural appropriation done poorly. One has to make sure that one stays away from cliches, from stereotypes, um, and you have to sort of be as accurate, you have to do your research, you have to be sensitive and empathetic in your portrayal of your... Um, exactly, characters. and search your sources and exactly. try to speak with people from the community you are writing about. Exactly. So that to be sure that um, you are really writing about, you are not writing about somebody else, but that your character in your story, it's one more. It's, it's somebody that belongs to another group but you as the reader wouldn't even notice because it is well-written, well-researched. Exactly. And I want to make sort of one final point on that is that, you know, like it or not, um, when mainstream writers represent diverse characters, so when they have different characters from diverse backgrounds in their work, they can reach a much wider audience and they actually can do good by changing all sorts of misconceptions. 
Exactly. It's really important for authors to be able to reach these mainstream audiences. Otherwise, all their ideas are kind of consigned to what one could call like an echo chamber where nobody ever, ever hears anything. It's great that a mainstream writer can not only um, sort of cultural appropriate different groups, but that they can, again, if make sure that it's done in a sensitive and well-researched way, but you can also do benefit. You can educate um, and sensitize audiences to a lot of experiences that are not their own. Exactly. You, you can educate society about all sorts of important issues of the day in a way that is far more accessible than perhaps, uh, you know, reading academic works or um, it just gives you a different way of understanding different communities. So and just, just because of what you said and what I said before, I think that the words of Chris Cleave are very good on, on, on that uh, particular um, line. That he says that a good novelist is a good observer and everything else is just a style. A writer, he says, must be alive to what goes said and unsaid in the world, making themselves a small until only the reader is reflected in the work. A well-crafted novel is a mirror. And as a reader, we should uh, require that the reflection is fair. What do you think? Summarize as well, eh? Yes, and I think that pretty much says it all. Um, I think that plenty of wisdom has been dispensed, not just on the matter of who can tell other people's stories, but I think it, what is important uh, to conclude that it's not about just who can tell them, it's about how it should be done sensitively and without stereotypes and without presumption. Root your narrative in truth and check your facts. So on that note, I wanna thank Maria for talking with me this afternoon and um, helping to shed light on this very, very important topic. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our discussion and I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Well, thank you, Janine. And um, yes, um, it was a very interesting topic. And I would say that in the Hispanic literature, there are lots of examples of uh, writers that are good writers, but unfortunately have the tendency to stereotype uh, some characters. I will just be fast and mention a couple of, of uh, examples. One would be The Japanese Lover by Isabel Allende. She really stereotypes um, the Japanese American culture and, um, and, and, and uh, people through the main character in the story and also through the other protagonist, Alma. And then just to be fast, I will add also another title a news from Paraguay by Lily Tuck that uh, she never went to Paraguay and she wrote about a period in the, in the 1854 uh, end of, uh, 
of that century, and it uh, touches a lot about the area I come from, uh, about um, the war of um, uh, Paraguay against Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. And if she, she did uh, one awards for that book, she wrote she wrote it in an interesting way, I would say, except that the characters are really flat. And you keep reading and you are trying to think, well, they will come alive, especially the two main characters. They will come alive at some point, uh, being so important, both of them historically, and it doesn't happen. The Paraguayan characters were mainly stereotypes that never became real people. Duck's novel and its depiction of, it, the, of the dictator Francisco Solano Lopez, and up to a certain point of the, um, his uh, mistress, Eliza Lynch, stirred a contentious public debate. In an interview, the author said that if she would have known all the issues that were, as, that were at stake, she wouldn't have written the novel at all. In this case, it seems that the appropriator was not aware of the deep significance of those historical characters in the culture she was partaking in. So that's it. We could keep on talking about this and never end. <laughs> we certainly could, Maria. Thank you. We, I've really, really enjoyed uh, this afternoon. So uh, thank you again. And I look forward to doing uh, something with you uh, in the near future. Thank okay. you. Thank, thank you, everybody, you. for listening. Well, that is today's episode of the Code St. Luke podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to our guests. And thank you to you for listening here today. The show is produced by me, Daryl Levine. The telephone broadcasting service and podcast was launched as a way to get content into your home during the pandemic period. As you know, we had to stop our events at the library and at Parks and Recreation. So we hope you're enjoying the podcast as a sort of a virtual way of getting the content to you so you can hear your favorite speakers at home. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Every rating and review helps others to find the show. Have a great day.